Hello, and welcome to Transfusion's monthly podcast. I'm your host, Yara Park. In today's episode, we will be speaking with the authors of the article, Regular High-Frequency Whole Blood Donation and Risk of Cardiovascular Disease in Middle-Aged and Older Blood Donors in Australia. Welcomes to Dr. Surendra Karki and David Irving. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Yara. Dr. Karki, would you please introduce yourself? Um, hi, my name is Surendra Karki, um, and I work in Australian Red Cross Lifeblood um, as a research fellow and epidemiologist. Thank you. And David, could you introduce yourself? Uh, thanks, uh, Yara. Yes, I'm David Irving. I'm also at Australian Red Cross Lifeblood. Uh, I'm Director of Research and Development at, uh, at Lifeblood. To start, could you explain your study to our listeners? Sure, thank you. Um, in this study, um, we compare the incidence of cardiovascular diseases in um, uh, regular high-frequency whole blood donors with less frequent um, whole blood donors. Um, and we found that there is no significant difference in the incidence of the cardiovascular diseases in these two groups. Um, this suggests that um, the whole blood donation intensity doesn't alter the risk of someone um, getting cardiovascular diseases. Um, in this study, um, we have used um, a slightly different method than many other similar studies um, to overcome or, or bias um, in this kind of studies called healthy donor effect um, using a method called qualification period method. And then we uh, also adjusted um, the confounding using regression-based methods. So what led you to look for this? What made you think that cardiovascular disease would be related to whole blood donation? Yeah, um, there is uh, this theory uh, called iron heart hypothesis, which suggests that um, uh, higher iron levels in the body may be a causative factor for um, cardiovascular diseases. Since the whole blood donor, when they go to donate, um, let's say when they donate 500 ml of whole blood, they lose about 200 to 250 milligram of iron in each donation. And these regular high frequency donors would be going that process uh, over and over. So they, um, the, the level of iron um, in their body might be slightly lower and that may be something um, that is, um, if the hypothesis about iron heart hypothesis is true, then that may, may be some link uh, with the cardiovascular diseases in the whole blood donor as well. And that's why we wanted to look into it, this. Uh, but there are several other alternative um, hypotheses where um, they also suggest potentially there is a benefit in, in, uh, in um, whole blood donor about um, the, about the risk of cardiovascular diseases. For example, um, one, one of these is the um, blood viscosity. Uh, so reduced blood viscosity due to frequent donation may be protecting um, donors from the cardiovascular diseases. So, um, so yeah, that's why we sort of um, wanted to look into this. So in reading your paper, you mentioned some previous studies. It sounds like the results have been kind of all over the board in the past. That's true. That's true. Um, there have been few studies in the past um, where um, either they have shown a protective effect or there is no difference, mostly. 
Um, but the problem with these studies is that um, they have compared the blood donor population with the non-donor population, or they have compared um, within the blood donor population, but the groups that comparing are likely much different in the health aspect, and they haven't done adequate adjustment for the healthy donor effect. Um, that's why um, it is likely that uh, these results are varying um, too much in between those studies, of course. So you mentioned the healthy donor effect. Can you explain that to us? Yeah, sure. Um, the healthy donor effect is a sort of a combination of uh, selection bias and confounding in, in studies that look into the longer term health of blood donors. Uh, since the blood donor population is a selected group of people uh, from the general population, they are much healthier compared to the general population. So um, their health outcome is usually better uh, than the rest of the population. So if we do not adjust for this selection effect in these studies, then you would obviously see a better health outcome in blood donor compared to non-donors. So that sort of uh, bias is called healthy donor effect. You had a pretty novel setup for your study groups. Can you tell us about how you identified the participants and how you did your qualification period? This is the the method um, that was first used in the Netherlands by Pfeiffer and colleagues for their study. Um, um, this is called qualification period method. Um, in that method, what we do is we set up a fixed window of exposure, let's say five years. And to be qualified, to be included in the analysis, um, donors must donate the first year, year of the qualification period and the last year of qualification period. Why we are doing that is to actually to get um, the people who are included in the analysis as much as similar in their health aspect. Um, and this happens because um, if a donor is donating at the first year, first year and donating at the last year of the qualification period, they are considered active donor in the entire qualification period. Um, so they are much more similar in terms of the, the health aspect. And um, during this qualification period, we don't really, <clears throat> sorry, we don't really measure the outcome in this period. We measure the outcome after the qualification period ends so that, um, you know, a, a, a kind of a, epidemiological sort of a bias called reverse causes and doesn't occur. So we don't measure um, the outcome in the qualification period method. So the exposure isn't impacted by the outcome. So um, what it gives us is a, a, a group which is more homogeneous in the health risk so that when we measure the outcome in the follow-up period, um, we can um, attribute most of the effect to the difference in the exposure that happened in the exposure period or the, or the qualification period. Was that clear? Sorry. No, that was great. I think I jumped, I jumped down to a different question because I was interested in that qualification period. But can you explain the general setup of the study? Yeah, sure. So this um, study um, is a data linkage study. So in Australia, there is a large longitudinal study called the 
45 and up study which is run by the Sachs Institute and this study actually has 267,000 participants who were actually um, enrolled in that study from 2006 to 2009. So what we did was we linked that study with the blood donation data, um, the hospitalization data and the registry of um, deaths, births and marriages um, so that we have this linked data together. So um, the donation related data comes from the, the linked lifeblood donor data set. Um, and the outcome information, which is the cardiovascular diseases, it comes from the hospitalization records um, of these participants. So um, this is a data linkage study um, that uses these multiple um, data sets. And also um, the, the 45 and up study itself is a cohort study and it has a, a, a huge range of data collected on people's um, demographic, lifestyle, behavior, and all other health-related aspects. So that gives us a power to do to, to, um, a comprehensive adjustment of um, uh, confounding in, in our uh, study. There were a lot of databases you used. How did you reconcile all the different databases with all those different people in them? Sure. Um, the, the participants of the 45 and up study, um, they have given a consent um, for their data to be linked to all the um, health databases for research purpose. So once we sort of clear our ethics uh, approval, then we ask a, a specific agency which does all the data linkages for us. So we send the identifier of blood donor and the identifiers of the participants of 45 and up study are sent by the, the 45 and up team to the, to the Center for Health Record Linkages, which is the data linkages agency that we use. So all of these um, data are actually linked by them using a probabilistic data linkage algorithm. Um, and ultimately, we don't get any identifier. We, we just get a, a, a person number, um, which is kind of a unique number. Um, and then all this data is linked back. I mean, uh, you know, all these, all the data is then linked back to these person numbers. And all of this data is, again, not given to us directly. This is um, set up in a secure virtual computing environment where we access and do our analysis. So although you found no statistically significant difference in cardiovascular disease from between your high-frequency donors and your regular donors, there seemed to be some suggestion of benefit for the female high-frequency donors. Do you think that's somewhere hidden in there if you had bigger numbers or looked longer? Possibly, yes. Um, um, and... I would like to draw your attention to the study, uh, a similar study conducted in the Netherlands by um, Pfeiffer and colleagues. Um, in that study um, as well, they did not find any indication of difference in male donors, regular high-frequency male donors when they compared with the less frequent donors. Um, but in females, they did find a significant um, a significant difference. That means that there's slight protective effect in female donors. 
And if you note, the sample size is um, about, I think, 160,000 people um, in that. So it is likely that if we had uh, a larger sample, our results may be significant, statistical significance, but still, um, you know, there is an uncertainty. Um, so we can say it's 100% that it would be statistically significant, but um, the effect size are pretty similar in these two studies. So our effect size that we observe in females are pretty similar to that have observed by Befer and colleagues. So um, yes, there is some indication um, that potentially there might be some beneficial effect. But again, according to the data and our observation, it's uncertain. How might you design a study, like a follow-up to this one, that would examine a less severe indicator of cardiovascular disease? This one looked at hospitalization records. Is there a way you could design something where you looked for patients before they made it to the hospital but had signs of cardiovascular disease? Would that be possible? Um, that's right. Um, that's, that was one of the limitations that we observed in, in our study because... Uh, we couldn't capture, with the existing data, we couldn't capture the less um, severe spectrum of cardiovascular diseases that may be diagnosed in, in GP's office and then managed in there. Well, there is a possibility that in future, data linkages can happen using the, using the diagnosis that was um, done in the GP's office. Um, that is that has been done to a smaller extent using the same data set by all the people in all the, you know, context. Um, um, but I think if we can get the data set that captures these less severe spectrum of cardiovascular diseases, then we can certainly um, extend our extend studies like this to to look into that. Um, well, potentially, then maybe alternatively. Um, people can ask the participants um, about their diagnosis as well, but they, these will be the self-reports of the diagnosis um, and may not be very reliable, um, but certainly um, the, in the future, it may be possible if we have easier access to these our primary care level data that can be linked to studies like this. As part of the transfusion community, were you worried? Were you worried that you might find something that showed that we were harming our donors? Because when I first opened the paper, my first thought was, oh no, what if we're hurting donors? So I was very happy to see that we're not. But were you a little bit worried when you started looking into this? Um, well, uh, I guess we had the data and we decided that we need, uh, we want to look into that. Um, of course, if there is a, a potential harm, um, but that's also a good thing to identify through research so that we could take um, precautionary measures, change our policies in the future to minimize any unforeseen harm as well. So um, I guess um, as a research community or as a blood collection agencies, people actually 
need to continually look into any potential effect that donation may have on people's health. And um, I guess it would be a, a challenging thing to probably manage that. But I guess that's a good thing because you, you wouldn't be harming people in the future um, because of the donation. So I think that's what I would say. <laughs> David, would you like to add anything on that? I'm not sure. Yeah, I think, look, based on the, the large um, um, European study that Surrender referred to as well, where there was shown to be um, minimal, um, well, certainly no negative impact, but, but perhaps even some positive impact, I think what, we were reasonably confident that um, we'd be able to um, confirm um, that... Um, Blood donation is not uh, deleterious to um, people's um, um, uh, heart um, condition, essentially. So I think I'd say we, we started off with a positive a positive approach, um, but really taking a very robust approach to, to take into account the healthy donor effect uh, and the um, statistical methodologies that we use to ensure that the, the data that we got was, uh, was reliable. I had never really heard of this potential cardiovascular protection from donation. Is it something you hear from donors? Is it out there in the in the lay press and lay media? Yes, actually, um, we um, have heard that some of our donors actually ask this question when they go to the donation centers. And also, um, if you Google, <laughs> you know, health benefits of blood donation, you would see hundreds of articles that sort of refer to, you know, the news articles mostly that refer to a potential benefit, not not like the the peer-reviewed paper, but the, the you know, the health articles that sort of generally appear, they, they do indicate um, that there is potential benefit. So the lay people um, may think that that's, um, there is a health benefit, but that's something that we also have heard from some of our donors that you know, not necessarily asking that is there potential health benefit, but they are asking is there health impact from in terms of cardiovascular diseases. Interesting. So we've had a really nice discussion about this paper and about our blood donors and the health effects of donating blood besides the great feeling you get from helping others. I'd like to thank Drs. Irving and Karki for joining us on Transfusions Monthly Podcast, and we will see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.